Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, alongside Aaron Johnson and Ryan Pay, again this week here for, what is this, episode 58 here at the Palace of Pistons podcast. Just a quick shout out for that, as that's, uh, I would say, a pretty impressive mark to be at. But anyways, the Pistons, who I talk about, being a mark where they're at. They're sitting in the sixth seed right now, and they're fresh off an annihilating win over the Orlando Magic. We'll get into that game. We'll get into the dominant performance. We'll get into Wayne Ellington just not missing a shot. But first, the Pistons are sitting in the sixth seed, and it's a little closer than it could be because of the three-game road stretch. We've talked about this road stretch for about a month. We identified it. We said it was going to be uh, three games Detroit may not be able to win. And then last week we looked at it and go, we'd love to get two out of three. We would take one out of three. And Detroit had a chance to win two out of the three games. The Golden State game they were never close in. The final score even looks a little closer than the game was. And that's that's okay. Nobody's really worrying about that. But the Portland game, you had chance and chance. And what was it? The 14-3 run to end the game by Portland that kind of seals the deal and locks the Pistons out. You look at the Denver game and... And you just talk about what a colossal failure of a start and then such a strong finish from kind of like the early to middle of the third through the fourth quarter. Blake Griffin kind of just went into lockdown mode and finally Detroit was able to get in some rhythm, hit some shots, and they ended up losing that game by just a point. But to be back in it, have a chance to win on the last possession. Um, So it it was a three-game stretch. And you lose all three of them. And now the really question becomes, how disappointed are we in Detroit that they could not have snuck out at least one of those two Portland or Denver games? I I think it's really disappointing. I think when you have Portland on the docket without C.J. McCollum, you're leading that game pretty much most of the way. And then in the fourth quarter... You just don't do your job on both ends of the floor. Damian Lillard gets loose, um, and he has his moments in the fourth quarter, and the Pistons' offense just completely stagnated. And I don't know why, because and even Blake Griffin said it after the game. He said, we stopped running what we were running the entire game. And it's just like, that makes absolutely no sense. Why are you doing that? Why would you stop running what it had you up against a very good Portland team, even without CJ McCollum? That is a good Portland team. But the fourth quarter, Detroit just got, they just didn't play well. Uh, no doubt about it. Lost the fourth quarter, 28-20. to 20. And again, the, the defense was terrible on Detroit's part. You know, they didn't rebound. Andre Drummond had to come out because... He was extremely tired. He had to come out for a short stretch in the fourth quarter when Dwayne Casey wanted to play him the entire fourth quarter. And we know the impact that Drummond has on the floor. He was winning the battle against Yusuf Nurkic. He had limited Nurkic to a pretty quiet game. And, you know, he's 
their second best player when McCollum's down. So uh, that was pretty important. But when you look at the bench in that game, it was one of those nights where the benches couldn't defend. The offensive production was fine, but it goes back to Ennis Cantor going off for 10-7. and 7. I mean, Ennis Cantor, this guy was on the waiver wire, and, you know, he got 10-7. and 7. Steph, excuse me, Steph, Seth Curry had 16 points off the bench. Uh, Zach Collins, you know, backup big that's sometimes in, sometimes out of the rotation at 9-4. and 4. The bench just didn't defend, and even their, you know, their offensive contributions just couldn't add up to what Portland was doing. That game was just an absolute train wreck, in my opinion. I thought Detroit should should have no doubt won that game. The Denver game's really frustrating because you come out as poor as they did, and then, yeah, they fight at the end, but it's like, does that fight even matter at that point? I get it. It's good to show that you don't just go down and lose a game. That there, There's some validity to that. But at the same time, when you come out the way Detroit did, not even with the fact that they were missing every shot they took, sometimes it's just going to happen. It happened mm-hmm. to Michigan yesterday in their game against Texas Tech. Sometimes you're just going to miss shots. But when Detroit came out with the lack of defensive intensity and the lack of attention to de- detail on the defensive end, and they got blown out of the water by Denver's offense, that's what's disappointing. And that w- that's what puts a taint on them losing that game. It's good that they fought back, but they shouldn't have been in that position. And they should have been, e- been able to beat a Denver team that did not play that well. I don't think you're wrong at all, at all, Aaron. First off, prayers up for Yusuf Nurkic. That was terrible if you saw that Horrible. injury. Horrific. Horrific. Um, hopefully he's able to return because I do enjoy watching him play. To the Portland game. That, of the three-game stretch we talk about, that one bothers me. That's a game they should have won. They played well. They hustled. No C.J. McCollum. But like you said, Aaron, the bench just didn't show up and defend. So, Dame was going to do his thing. Lillard is Lillard. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about that. But the rest of the way for the team to not pull that one out really frustrates me. The Denver game... Literally start the game any way else other than the way they started it, and they win that game. And that's what's most frustrating about this team and just about the season and the Pistons in general. They're just not quite there yet. A good team doesn't allow a 14-3 run for Portland at the end of that game for Portland to win, and a good team doesn't start the Denver game the way they started that Denver game. Scoring nine points, not defending anyone, no attention to any detail, at all on the defensive end. I know they fought back, but really it wasn't them fighting back. It was Blake Griffin fighting back. And then the rest of the team kind of fouled as the fourth quarter got going. But, I mean, I was, I was just disappointing. So, we knew the Golden State game was going to be a wash. And we really only expected to win one out of three and that one out of three to be the Portland game. But when you look at how two of those three games turned out, I'm disappointed. I think it leaves a sour taste in your mouth also because right before those losses they lost to Cleveland yes, too yes. so there was kind of an expectation that they needed to level out and they needed to pick up a win for the Cleveland game that they lost and they didn't do that and they had two opportunities to do that one thing I wanted to point out though was Detroit ran a couple beautiful plays late in the game against Denver the one Reggie Jackson three and then the final shot of the game for Blake Griffin was honestly still a good look even though Blake missed it uh, that's one thing I've been really impressed with is as long as they can inbound the basketball, because they really struggled to inbound the basketball late in the game. <laughs> they very much they do. They can run a nice play. And that's something that, in the playoffs, that's going to be important. Can they execute down the stretch? And when you look at the way that they were able to fight back against Denver, 
that's going to give you a little bit of hope in that. When you see the plays that they were able to run against Denver late in the game, and you can go back to some of the, the, the plays in a close game earlier in the year that they've been able to run, that gives you some hope in that area, which I guess I'm just trying to find something to be a little happy about. But quite honestly, Detroit could have won both those games against Portland and Denver, and this whole Eastern Conference playoff race could look much different right now. Yeah, let's let's back up for a second with what you just said. You said you expect to be able to run those good plays in the playoffs, so you're expecting them to clinch a seat. You're expecting them well, to clinch if, a spot. Well, if they make it, which I, I do expect them to do I expect it. them to, but this is a lot closer. It's, it's very than, close. Uh, I really thought it should be at this mm-hmm. point. You know... A few things. One, we talk about the disappointment of the Denver game and Blake Griffin, and there's a few things that come to my mind with that. First, it sucks because it's really just like wasted wear and tear on Blake Griffin. You know, he goes hard in the third and fourth quarter. He puts that extra pressure, that extra strain on his body, and you don't even get a win out of it. That sucks because that really hurts Blake Griffin. The other thing is, and this is more of a question just looking down the road, you know, going forward, you know, Detroit for the last several years has really had this mantra of, you know, man, you know, we lost that game, but it's like, it's frustrating, but it's okay, we battle back, or this or that, and I think it just kind of shows where we currently sit as a franchise, and it just shows that we're just really an average team right now, and at what point does Detroit take that step of... That's not okay. We cannot be okay with a game like that. We can't. I saw so many people reacting after the Denver game. Hard fight back. Way to keep it close game late. Way to battle. We'll give it another try next time. At what point is that not okay anymore? Well, I think if you just. I think if you just say, well, you know, the Pistons suck, this and that, they just need to give up. Or, or the Pistons themselves pick up that mantra of we're not good enough to win these level of games. Like, That's not what I'm saying. You're just creating no, a bad no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. mood around the franchise. That's not what I'm saying, though. You're say- Okay, I'm saying... You need to explain it better. I'm saying, as an organization, and as... You, both in that locker room and as a fan base, there needs to be an acknowledgement of, like, damn it, we should have won that game. We are good enough to win that game. We're supposed to be in this playoff push. We're contending. This is a big game for the playoffs. We're here because we do deserve to be here. We've won enough games to be in this position. And we should win that game. You don't think they feel that way? Well, uh, I don't think that the Pistons fans feel that way. And as a Pistons fan... But you said in the locker room. I said both. I said both. Well, in the locker room, they're not going to... 100% in the locker room, that's how they feel. As a fan base, I don't think the full fan base is quite there yet. And And at what point, you know, hey... Dwayne Casey talks about one team. One team, one mindset. At some point, Pistons fans need to be able to acknowledge, hey, we're good enough to win that game. We have to win it. And you have to be a little frustrated. It doesn't mean you have That's to fine. turn. That's fine, you can be frustrated. That doesn't mean you have to be negative. It just means you have to be honest. And it means you have to acknowledge that. And we need to stop patting on the back. It's all right, good fight. We'll get him next time. Because all that does is it just kind of, you know, levels out your ceiling. You know, if that's where your fan base is at and that's then where your expectation is at, that's really ever as high as, you know, the Pistons may ever reach. It has to be a process. And this is what I'm just going to continue to preach throughout this season, throughout next season, throughout the rest of the tenure in which the Pistons are going for the playoffs and aren't tanking because that's just not happening. This, This is all a process. 
This is not the Pistons' year. This was not the Pistons' year when they went on in December and January and went on a combined 11 and 21. It would always it transitioned into being about next year. It transitioned into being about next year when the Pistons traded their only small forward on the roster that they'll play for Thonmaker, 21-year-old, super raw prospect. It all transitioned to next year when Bruce Brown has gotten the minutes he's gotten and has had the starting role that he's gotten. It's all been about building on this year, getting to the playoffs, getting a little bit of that taste, building a little bit, a little bit of a reputation within the playoffs, learning about it, having the guys that haven't been in the playoffs much or haven't been in it at all, really the majority of the roster not named Blake Griffin or Zaza Pachulia, and going from there. Because then next year, it's about, well, Luke Kennard's entering his third year. Bruce Brown, Kyrie Thomas, Fima Kailu, they're all second season players now. Dom Makers had another offseason. He spent half the season with us, got to gel a little bit alongside Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, got to work with Ishmith in the bench unit. Where's he going to be? What improvements is he going to make? It became all about next year in those ways. It it became about next year when Ernie Jackson turned his season around. It's not all going to come in one season for the Pistons. It was never going to be a, well, this season, you know, they have Blake Griffin, they have Andre Drummond, they have Reggie Jackson. This is a 4-5 seed. They're going to win a playoff series, and, you know, then they'll probably lose, but it was going to be a successful season. It was just never going to be that way. And if, myself included, if I said that or if I thought that way, I was naive because it's such a process in the NBA. It's not... It just doesn't happen in one season. Look at every single team across the league and what they've been building. Hell, look at a team right alongside Detroit in the playoff race, the Brooklyn Nets. You don't think that's been a process of moving away from Brooke Lopez, moving away from Thaddeus Young, relinquishing They're all those totally, guys that had been no, on the that Nets team. The Nets are a totally different and then spot they build to up, Detroit. You, you can't know, even compare them. They make a trade them. for D'Angelo Russell. They make a trade for their cornerstone. Like the Pistons made a trade for their cornerstone. And then they put different pieces around them. And the Nets, this isn't where the Nets are going to top out. The Nets aren't going to top out as a 6, 7 seed, 8 seed. Maybe if they don't even make the playoffs because their schedule's hell the rest of the way. This is not where they're going to top out. It's a process. And this season, even if they miss the playoffs, is going to be looked at as a success because of the trajectory that they have. Just like the Pistons have a moving forward trajectory. You can't compare, alongside the, youth you can't compare the Nets and the, and the Pistons. That they have. Yes, I can. They're no, the two teams in the Eastern Conference. Their paths are spot. so different, though. Like, they got to this point in such an enormously different way. You can't say, well, they traded for the cornerstone just like the Pistons. It's, they traded for, they traded, no, they traded, they took a risk on a guy that the Lakers wanted to move, uh, who's in his 20s, that has worked out and could be a perennial all-star for years to come. Whereas Detroit went out. cornerstone. You didn't know he was going to be a cornerstone when you got him. You traded away Brooke Lopez. They were moving they, away from Lopez anyways. Exactly. It doesn't mean you went. They and got, traded no, all. They like, didn't. They traded for Russell for with the hope that he could turn into what he was supposed to be. Yes, Not and as, they built the team around him. They haven't, Aaron. No, you're you're missing my point. Blake Griffin was an All Star when the Pistons traded sure. for him. You know, into his career. Some would have said past or in his prime. Now we're seeing that he's playing great basketball right now, and he's not past his prime. But D'Angelo Russell, the tra- the trade for Russell is not anywhere near the same as Blake Griffin. Ask anyone in the NBA and tell them. Can you you know ask them if it's more of a process, a year by year thing, 
or a it's going to happen in one season thing. I know. And every single person. Nobody tell said you, it had to happen in one year. Well, the way we're reacting, it's like if this if the Pistons can't win, you know, all of these games against all these good teams. Then the, what does this say about the franchise? Okay, this well, is a completely different franchise than it's been in years past. You have a new head coach, you have a new front office, you have a new star player, Aaron, you have a new offensive. We system. have the same conversation almost every week. All I simply asked was, how long will it be acceptable for the fan base and or the locker room to accept a loss like this, as opposed to holding a little more accountability? Nobody said anything about tanking. Nobody said anything about overreacting. It was just a question. Like, God, Ryan. All right. I'm going to cut it all off right here to Brennan's question. As a fan base, should we be pissed off that the Pistons dropped that game to Denver because of the way they started? Or should we appreciate the fight they gave? And honestly, I don't think it's black and white. I think it's shades of gray. 50? 50, yes. <laughs> we should be pissed off at the way that game started. And we should be pissed off they couldn't win that game. But at the same time, in years past, getting to Aaron's point about a process, the Pistons would have folded immediately after scoring nine points in the game. In the first quarter, excuse me. And I get Blake Griffin's the one who carried them, but that's what's different about this team. They were able to fight back into that game and only lose by one or three or whatever it was. So in that respect, you can appreciate the fight and be like, hey, good fight. I appreciate this happened. But you're not wrong when you should say, at the same time, I'm kind of pissed off at the way this started and that we couldn't get this win because we are, even though the, everything, Aaron is right, it's about next year, we're still contending this year. Mm-hmm. And it's not wrong to be pissed off about that. Because I am pissed off about that. But at the same time, I appreciate the fight knowing, hey, we're going into next year with a Reggie Jackson who's found his stride. Dre has taken that step to becoming elite. So we're not going to put all the pressure on Blake Griffin next year. And he's not going to have all the wear and tear and fatigue he's coming to at this point. Because then Luke Kennard's going to take off. Bruce Brown's got this you know, experience. I think it's a mix. It's shades of gray. It is a process. It's not black and white. And if you think it's black and white, then you're naive. My whole point, my whole point of where it started at was the main question of how long is this fan base going to accept this team just be this franchise just being average. And it's it's just such a bigger picture than that. Losing to Denver is terrible because you should have won that game. Just like losing to Portland was terrible because you should have won that game. But we're acting like this, you know, this team has been doing this for years. When this is a completely different team and a completely different franchise than it's ever been. So you have to you can't just be well because the Pistons teams that won 20 games and 30, you know, 30 games for four seasons ago, three seasons ago are the same teams that this is now. You know, yeah, the Pistons There's still a lot of the same players, so I actually not. don't agree with you. But it's not your, your cornerstones with the exception of Blake Griffin are. Okay, Brendan Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson are, and Luke Kennard, if you want to count Luke Kennard's rookie season, understand Van Gundy. Those are the guys that have remained on the roster. Blake Griffin, Wayne Ellington, Thon Maker, Zaza Pachulia, Glenn Robinson III, Bruce Brown, Kyrie Thomas. The majority of the roster is new. They have a lot of new guys on the team. You're right, but you also just named like Kyrie Thomas, who doesn't play, and Glenn Robinson, who quite frankly really doesn't play. 
I still think people look at Reggie and Andre and hold them to that standard of accountability because they've been here and that look because you're still with those two cornerstones has that feel from a fan base standpoint of there's still that, you know, it's what those two have been accustomed to here in Detroit. Listen, the simple question was, does this change? Like what this was supposed to lead into is, does this change next year? Like, are the Pistons next year in a position where we, we are a little more frustrated about these games, or is it not yet? I mean, you've talked about a process. Really, the with I mean, I wasn't ready for that tangent to be honest. I'm I'm not shook, but like, you know, I'm worried for you. Um, simply, it was just, you know, by next year, are we going to be in a position that, you know. The Denver game instead of a hey listen it's okay we'll bounce back I appreciate the fight does it turn into well damn it we should have won that game or not yet that's on the fan base like why do I give a crap what the fan base wants to like why do I give a crap if the fa- if some fans want to be mad and some fans want to be happy about a loss it just doesn't matter to me quite honestly but what I'm trying to say is we and I again I just don't really care what, what another fan's opinion is because it's just not relevant to what the Pistons are going to really do. But if you're going to get mad about a game like this, then, I mean, you're already on such such thin ice with a franchise, with a team, then why are you even watching? Because every team loses games. Should right. Golden State fans be like, oh, this is just unacceptable. We're, you know, we, we, we suck. We're going to go out and lose by 30 to uh, Dallas? You, no, it's, it, you, you act with like it's team, the same situation. With any team. With any team that's fighting for a playoff spot, do you just blow up? on them for losing a game that, yeah, they should have won, but, yeah, you also have to look at the teams that are playing. Denver, the second-best team in the Western Conference and the best conference in the NBA with the best center in the NBA or the second-best if you want to consider Embiid better. It's just personal opinion. Then you have Jamal Murray. You have Gary Harris. You have Paul oh, they're, they're loaded. I, I, they're, that's a very good team. Yeah. And down the stretch, those I th- players. I think what's being ignored here and where I think frustration should derive from is that it took all of that effort from Blake Griffin and the rest of the guys couldn't put Detroit over the top. And now you see Blake go through that wear and tear. You see him put his body on the line. You see that it's eventually going to catch up with him, at least you're, you know, in terms of if they somehow do win a playoff series, it will catch up with him this year. And um, you know, at what point does that is that not okay? At what point is if if the Pistons had won, it's a different conversation, right? But Blake just really put a lot of strain on his body, and you put more wear and tear on a guy that we've talked about needing rest, not needing to you know maximize his efforts in a game that we're down twenty plus. He does it, and we still don't find a way to you win. Know, look, Blake was great in that Denver game. He was nine fifteen and five, but. He also took 32 shots. You know, it, it's just as much fault that the Pistons lost. Ju- it's just as much his fault. He missed way too many shots. He has his defensive lapses every single game now where he just doesn't, you know, he just goes plays without defending. He goes stretches without defending, and he just gives away points. That's on him too. Yeah, it's great that he scored 29, but he shot awful from inside the paint. He missed tip after tip, just like Andre Drummond was earlier mm-hmm. in the season. He missed putback after putback. He's taking wh- he took 10 threes. He was 2 of 10 from the three-point line. He's settling for those bad looks. Yeah, when Blake goes into that mode where he's just like, I'm getting this bucket. I'm going to get us these next few buckets. That's great, and that's awesome. But when you're the star player, 
kind of expected of you too. Like you just got to go do that. And I, you know, I get the Blake's skin. You know, Blake's tired. Like he is, and you'd love to have him rested. You'd love to be able to find a stretch to get him rested here. But sometimes star players just got to be stars and, and fight through that if they if they're gonna get their team to the playoffs. I've got one more question, and then we need to transition into last night's big win over Orlando. Okay. We talk about how this is a process for next year. Then why is Blake Griffin not rested more? We want to contend this year. We need to get in the playoffs this year. But if it's really just about getting the playoff taste and experience and playing in a series, why have we not rested Blake Griffin a little bit more? Because you need Blake Griffin to get into the playoffs still. I mean, the Cleveland game shows it. You know, you rest Blake Griffin against a Cavaliers team without Kevin Love, and they still lose. You know, and yeah, that's accustomed to the whole team just not defending and not shooting as well. But Blake Griffin is a star. Blake Griffin's your leader. You need your star to get into the playoffs. You're not going to find a team that can go without their star and get into the playoffs. Um, and you want to, you, you don't just want to say, "Well, we're going to get in the playoffs and we'll, you know, we'll just take, you know, we'll just swept." You want to fight. You obviously want to try to win. And that's all part of again a process of getting to the playoffs. Then you practice for the playoffs. You game plan. You throw different matchups in, in the playoffs. You get every, you get a little bit of everything in the playoffs. And you want to put yourself in the best position possible to compete and see what you can do in the playoffs. And you're not going to get there if Blake Griffin's sitting out, let's say, 10 more games this year. But do you agree or disagree? The game like Golden State. Ryan, I'll go to you on this one. The game like Golden State, we're all talking about throwing in the towel. And not that Detroit would necessarily say, oh, well, we're just going to fold. Right? But in a game like Golden State where you know that you're likely not going to win that game at Oracle Arena, why not rest Blake Griffin on that night? It's a good question, Brendan, because I, because I agree. I was all for resting Blake Griffin that night. I was, I was, as I said on last week's podcast, I was fine with resting Blake Griffin. I was also fine with resting Andre Drummond against Golden State. That game we saw as a wash. It's just not but in the cards at, for them in that. At the same time, though, like, how many other teams can you just say, well, we're just going to throw it in against? Because Detroit's also beaten Toronto three times. Uh, you know, they've they've competed. Against, you know, they've beaten Denver one time this year in their one of their games this year. Without, they, I think Jokic didn't play in that game, I'm pretty sure. No, he did. Andre just made him look invisible. As Andre had 29 It was Jamal Murray who didn't play. Gary Harris didn't play. Yeah. A lot of the teams didn't play. I was going to say, I knew somebody didn't play. That's right. Anyways. So, but, you on. know, Detroit also has a win against Houston. They've beaten good teams, so you could really—I I, I mean, really—I would be okay with resting guys against Golden State. But when you're fighting for a playoff spot, I just don't know how much room you have to say, "Well, oh, Blake, you know, we don't need you to rest." It's—it's really—it's really a tough question. It's a tough balance, and you would like Detroit to maybe have not gone 11 and 21 again in the months of December, or January, mm-hmm. to find themselves in a better position right now. Um, but I mean. It, it kind of just is what it is. At you got to play with the cards you're dealt yeah. at that point. I mean, I don't even have much more to offer to anything we've said because uh, you guys had quite the conversation about not even the question asked. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't even know what to even add into it. From you, like you two went off, you guys argued. I I enjoyed listening to it. Two different perspectives. Let's just move on because I've got nothing that's gonna add anything to any of the conversation we had. Well, how about Detroit getting a big win over Orlando? And just making maybe a greater push into that six seed. You know, they come home after the three games, you know, on the road. Um, 
and they just dominate. 115-98, it wasn't even that close. Detroit really pulled away, especially in the second half. Wayne Ellington with 25 points. Um, you know, a game where, where Andre played really well, where Blake played pretty well, where Wayne really carried the way. Um, it was a fun game to watch last night. 15 off the bench for Smith, 12 off the bench for Langston Galloway. You know, Kennard a quiet night with only six, but you, know, you had so much other production around, you didn't necessarily need him. Um, and I do think, now to turn it to a positive, that last night was a real nice statement by Detroit of, hey, we came home, we played a team in our conference, we played a team that's battling with us for a playoff spot, and we absolutely kicked the crud out of them. And I thought that was important to see. Absolutely important to see. That's the next step in the team's maturation. You come off a rough stretch against good teams, you don't win a single one of those games, and two of the three that you could have won. And you come home, this team you're battling against, to lock up a playoff spot, who's been hot? What have they been? Seventeen and seven, eighteen and seven in their last. They had won. They won five or six in a row coming into today. Yeah, or your last and night, sorry. Yeah, exactly. And you go, and you dominate them. You bury them. You put your foot on their throat from the beginning, and that is what we need to see. And that's the next step in this in this team's maturation. It was great to see Andre played man ball last night. Blake was solid. It was so good to see Wayne Ellington just get pissed off by DJ Augustine and be like, you know what? F you. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Three ball, three ball, three ball. You can't he stop that, me. He had that stretch to put him up 20, and then yeah. they call the timeout. You're just like, oh, my God. And he had four threes to start the, the, the third quarter, like yeah. within the first four minutes. That's, what, that's what we're referring to, right? Yeah. That's what, yeah. Like, it was fantastic to see Wayne Ellington do that. Ish played well off the bench. Thon. Thon played well off the bench. He had, he put up some good minutes. Langston was shooting well. Like you said, Luke was quiet. But Luke didn't need to step up. He, it was okay to defer to guys who were hot, like Thon and Langston and Ish, because they were the ones carrying the load, and that is okay. It was good to see Luke Kennard not be selfish and just try to get his when the bench was rolling. My only issue with last night was how disheartening this team is when rebounding without Andre Drummond on the floor. Mm-hmm. That stretch of what was it like a minute and thirty game time where Detroit was on defense because Orlando grabbed what four or five offensive rebounds was ridiculous. That was absurd, and that needs to change. How do you change that? I think Zaza needs to come out. Are they going to take Zaza out? Of course not. No. But I feel like you can go to a GR three. And Thon lineup. The re- the stats show the rebounding doesn't really fall off with going to GR three and Thon as opposed to Thon and Zaza. Everyone's like, oh, you can't re you won't rebound at all then. It'll be terrible defense. Oh well, your offensive protection's gonna go up with GR three in there instead of Zaza. And the rebounding on the defensive end doesn't really fall very much at all. I don't see anything but being a positive. And if you don't that makes you uncomfortable, so against smaller teams you go GR three and Thon, and against the bigger teams you put Lure in there instead of Zaza. Seriously. I just Thank don't you. I'm with you. I don't see how Zaza helps the team. And I know we're talking about a great win last night because it was a great win, but that is a glaring weakness coming off the bench yeah. for the Pistons right now. Is that how do you rebound without Drummond in the game because when this team makes the playoffs because I believe they are going to there's going to be a game or two where Dre gets in foul trouble it's just kind of where his game's at right now he happens to get in foul trouble how are you going to rebound without him on the floor and they can't you're very limited in when you can play Zaza and I tweeted last night pretty much what you said you know 
they should go to Glenn Robinson third and Thon, and then if they want to go against you know with a bigger front line, then go Luer and Zaza, because or Luer and Thon, excuse me, because Zaza is still a smart basketball player. You know he understands what needs to be done. He just physically cannot do it. Absolutely. And I appreciate that he still tries, and you know he's a willing veteran. He talks to the players, tries to be a leader, but. He just cannot make plays on the court. He cannot pick up his legs. And it's going to get even more exposed in the playoffs when they're going up against a good setter every night. When you look in the East, they're getting matched up against Joel Embiid, Marcus Saul, or Brooke Lopez. Those are all three centers that are going to be a problem for Zaza to even try to defend. He did have some success against Marcus Saul in the one Toronto game. Maybe well, I think he saw. I think he did okay in the both the Toronto games that Marcus All played in. Um, but I don't. I just don't see it working in the playoffs. You're gonna have teams going smaller in the playoffs too. You know, the Raptors could throw a Pascal Siakam at the five lineup. Uh, the Bucks could go Giannis at the five lineup. Um, Sixers could go with Ben Simmons at the five. All these different combinations that are just make Zaza even more ineffective than he already is. With Thon. You know, he's a guy that can play either position, and obviously he's not very strong. He doesn't have great hands. You need those kind of things to be a center, uh, especially the, the build, and he just doesn't have the build. But it's part of the development process with him. And at this point, Glenn Robinson the third when he's gotten in, has played well. He's been a team plus in every single game that he's gotten in recently where he's played, you know, a, an acceptable rate of minutes, you know, eight, eight, nine, ten minutes. He's been a team plus in all those games. Like you said, Ryan, the rebounding doesn't go down. I tweeted it yesterday. The, the, they average, the two-man lineup of Glenn Robinson third and Thon Maker averages 4.7 rebounds. The two-man lineup of Thon Maker and Zaza Pachulia averages 4.9. So the rebounding really just doesn't change. Uh, and Glenn offers way more on offense with his cutting to the basket. Uh, you know, he can shoot. Even though the numbers don't say it, Glenn Robinson is actually a threat to shoot the basketball. And he's just more versatile. He can defend multiple positions. He's athletic. He moves. Zaza just is none of those things. Zaza's only, you know, Zaza takes those mid-range free throw line jumpers. And he hasn't hit one since, I don't think, October. Okay? Zaza goes to the basket. And unless he gets fouled, he's not he's not going to score because he can't finish at the rim. He's, he's, he's shooting under 40% from inside. You know, that's awful. That's a, your center cannot shoot under 40% from inside. They're just, they just, that's something that they have to look at. They have to at least try it out. They have to test Lure. They have to test Glenn Robinson III. And they got to see what's there. Because that's going to only get exposed even more in the playoffs. Uh, but going into the main discussion of how impressive this win was, it was super impressive. Because Detroit came out, and unlike the Denver game, they put their foot on the gas from the tip-off. And they never really relinquished it. Andre was fantastic on both ends of the floor. His his continuation of maturing on the defensive end is outstanding to watch. He's truly becoming one of the best two-way centers in the league. Wayne Ellington. I mean, you guys you guys talk about how fire he was enough. Uh, Ish was good off the bench, but the bench overall was really solid. Blake did his things here and there. Uh, you know, you like him to be a little bit more efficient, but still managed to get his. Um, it was a great win for the Pistons because when you look at the standings, they felt they built a little bit of separation, and they just have to continue to fight off the teams competing with them right now, which means they're going to have to plug away 
these wins. And it's going to get tougher for Detroit because they have Oklahoma City coming up. They have a couple games against um, Indiana coming up. The schedule's not all that easy for Detroit. It's not as tough as a Brooklyn schedule, but it's still tough. So they need to make sure that they can win every single game that they have a chance in. And coming out and beating Orlando in the way that they did sets a good tone and it builds momentum to do those things. So you look at the Eastern Conference standings. Detroit sits at 38-37 in the 6th seed. Brooklyn in the 7th seed at 38-38. Miami in the 8th seed at 37-38. and Orlando in the 9th seed at 37-39. and Charlotte in the 10th seed at 35-39. and Charlotte in the 10th seed is still just 2.5 games away uh, from Detroit in the standings. And um, if you're Detroit, you've got to find a way to buckle down over these last seven games. I think finishing anything lower than the seventh seed is an utter disappointment for this team, especially with the way we've played in the second half of the year. I'm not in disagreement with you there. Uh, I mean, getting in the playoffs is the ultimate goal no matter what. But at the same time, if it turns out to be an eight seed, it does take a little bit of the shine off of it because like you said coming out of that all-star break they played fantastically Mm -hmm. um so to see it fall off at the end of the season even though teams did get hot at the same accord uh would be a little tough um but i tweeted after the denver game it's an eight game season nothing matters up to that point and they're one and oh so far right um and then you look at that portland game coming up there's no mccollum and there's no nurkic i that's a win for me that's a win that's not a uh, i don't know that's a win that, for them. That, that has to a be. loss, a bad performance, a close loss, it doesn't matter. It's a disappointment if they don't win that game. I think they'll take a game against Indiana. I don't see why they wouldn't. Indiana's, Indiana's been falling, which is unfortunate. Because it is unfortunate. They, they were so competitive uh, at the beginning. And went straight, well, they actually went 0-4, I think. And then, yeah. and then they really got hot after Victor Oladipo went yep. down. Uh, but it's just caught up to him. The lack of offensive production outside of Bojan Bogdanovic, uh, they just really, they've really kind of fallen off a cliff, which is unfortunate because, you know, I know that if the Pistons were in that position and Blake or Andre went down, and well, I mean, Detroit's been in that position when Reggie Jackson's gone down, where the playoffs have just kind of tampered away, and in a season where you wanted success and were expecting success, it just doesn't happen. So you got to feel for those indie people, even though they're still going to make the playoffs. I still. I, I just don't think they're going to be an easy, easy series no, win. No, they will not be. They absolutely will not be. I agree. So, well, Detroit sitting two and a half game advantage. I think I, you know, I'm in the same agreement. The Portland game has to be a win. You have to take one coming up versus Indiana. Um, you have Memphis on your schedule. Then you, you have finish Memphis with the, the Knicks. Knicks, like and Charlotte. You those should be three wins. I, I know Charlotte's playing well. Charlotte Ke- always gives Detroit. And, and Ke- I always gives Detroit problems. We've discussed that several times. And Cardiac Kemba is being Cardiac Kemba right now. He's going off, but I still believe in my heart that is a win and should be a win. And anything less than a win in that game is unacceptable. Can I offer something here? What's up? Maybe our maybe our last point of the pot. The Pistons play. Next week, you're on Saturday versus Portland. Next week, Indiana back-to-back, away and then at home. Next Friday, they play at OKC. If Detroit wins two out of three, if not all three of these next three games, do you rest Blake Griffin and OKC to have him ultra-fresh for the game versus Charlotte on Sunday at home? 
it really kind of depends. Well, I mean, it depends how Detroit does in these next three games, but it also depends on all these other teams. It depends on. If, it fully depends on what everyone else says. If the Pistons take care of their business, that's great. But if everyone else takes care of their business, you can't. Right. Okay. Exactly, that's exactly where I'm at too. I mean, you you know, again, you'd like to find Blake Russ when you can do it, but when, when there's just teams right there with Detroit and Miami's been playing hot ball and Orlando was playing hot ball before last night, they're going to be right there. They're going to keep fighting. You know, Brooklyn's a half game back of Detroit. Yeah, their schedule is extremely tough. They go they go Celtics, Bucks, Raptors, Bucks in their next four, and that's absolutely brutal. Sure, but they're not they're not just going to go away. Nope. So if Detroit can win, you know, Detroit goes 3-0, and Brooklyn goes 0-3, and Miami goes 0-3, and Orlando goes 1-2, then maybe you can. But you kind of just want to play it safe and lock up your best spot possible. Fair enough. So hopefully we can have a greater conversation about that next week in Detroit in a position where they did take care of business and go 3-0 and uh, before we pod next. So Detroit, currently the sixth seed, 38-37, sitting above 500. Hopefully they're in a spot where they're still there next week when we hit you with podcast episode number 59. Before you go, make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA, Ryan at Ryan Pay, myself at Media Brendan. We're on Instagram at Palace Pistons. We're on Facebook, Palace of Pistons Facebook page. Check that out. Um, but tell your friends, we continue to grow. Playoff push, baby. We've got the best content right here, and we'll look forward to seeing you for episode number 59 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.